Hi, everyone. Hello, and welcome to Mixed Feelings. I'm your host, Natalie Roach, and I am doing something a bit different. I'm taking a break from the closet because I realized that part of the reason why I kind of delay doing the podcast is because my back hurts when I sit in the closet. So I am sacrificing a little bit of uh, sound quality in order to preserve my back and do the podcast in the open air. Anyways, welcome to Mixed Feelings. Delighted that you're here. This is a podcast about my take, my perspective on various topics, current events, and the general state of the human condition. It's not as profound as it sounds. But as always, we are going to start with how the world is. And um, I think obviously I will start by saying that there's definitely a... uh, definitely a incredibly to me like heaviness that I've I have felt this week based on the, the van attack that happened at Young and uh, Shepherd area in Toronto this past Monday it was horrifying um in so many ways such a tragic 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 loss of life needless loss of life not that any loss of life is um anything other than needless but it was um I've never experienced anything like that that close to home in my entire life. And it was, um, it was a really, really difficult and sad week for many, 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 many people. And, um, at the risk of sounding cliche or trite, I, I mean this genuinely that my, I have been thinking a lot about the, um, the victims and their families this week and my, my heart goes out to them. That's all I can say. So, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm really, really experiencing that. That was really in my body and in my psyche this week. And, um, not to, uh, silver lining is obviously the wrong way of putting it. Some positive things that came out of that were, um, the video of the police officer, I believe it's uh, Lieutenant, his last name is Lam, L-A-M, um, doing the arrest is they said likely going to be used internationally for how to de-escalate a violent situation. Um, he did just did a phenomenal job. If anyone has a chance to YouTube that clip of Officer Lamb taking down um, Alec Manassian, it was a pretty amazing example of de-escalation. He actually uh, strategically went back to, and it was just him. He didn't have backup or anything. He went back to his cruiser. He turned off the sirens to again, just kind of calm the situation. He also put his gun away and took out his baton. And, um, again, like, you know, not using something that has, uh, like deadly force potential. And, um, he, he, you know, he arrested him, he apprehended him. And apparently the trauma response from Sunnybrook hospital is like, you know, out of this world. Um, and it was coming off the heels of this past summer, Sunnybrook hospital did a, ton of emergency preparedness training and they said that it really 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 came into effect and came into um uh came to obviously came to quote unquote good use but they had 15 minutes they had 15 minutes before 26 trauma victims arrived so um you know kudos to Sunnybrook Hospital and to Officer Lamb and obviously my thoughts and feelings are with the family so um that happened and that was really really awful um and I don't think this is a um, inappropriate juxtaposition because I do think that it had a lot of social weight and magnitude in its own way, in a in a good way. Um, 
Beyonce basically broke the mold on what it means to give a live performance. Um, I know that it's getting a bit historical now, but I last Sunday watched uh, watched her performance, which I alluded to. Or no, that must be two weeks ago now. I think it must be two weeks ago. I can't remember. Anyways, um, whatever it was is going to go down in history. And it was um, really, truly moving. Like, I, I actually wept. I don't know as if I've ever wept at a live performance before. She is just so dedicated to excellence and to making marrying artistry and the lifting up of the black community in such a visually stunning and poignant and phenomenal way i just i I can't say enough good things so like that was that was a little gift of the world god thank you beyonce do yourself our gift and i mean she just looks amazing that goddamn weave it's unbelievable so anyways um that was a yes really hard to move on from i feel weird about that juxtaposition but i hope all of you know that my heart is genuinely in uh in the right place and i hope that that didn't seem like too fast a transition so anyways, that is uh, two things that were going on in the world. Um, what's going on with me? Last weekend, I went to see Purple Rain with my friend uh, Brie. Hi, Brie. Shout out to Brie. And I'd never seen the movie before. and I didn't know what to expect. They were playing it. It's on the anniversary, actually, of his death. This is the second anniversary of his death. And I've never seen Purple Rain before. And I tell you, I... I don't know as if I've ever had that many reactions to a movie that were both swung so wildly between positive and negative. And I think that it just ended and Brie and I turned to each other and I was like, like, what just happened? Like, what just happened? I, I felt the, you know, hairs on the back of my neck stand up. I wanted to get up and dance. Like the music is so phenomenal. I wanted to throw shit at the screen because of the blatant misogyny and, you know, sexism in it. And yet I was pulling for Prince the whole way through the movie. It was, it was just like, if you have not seen Purple Rain, please do. And let me know your thoughts. It is not neutral. It's not neutral. And it is, it's worth the watch. I've never, I've never seen it before. It's, there's so many things to say about it. Um, Not to mention, it's like, who is this man? Like who, sorry, who was this man? Rest in peace, Prince. But yeah, Purple Rain, just a roller coaster. Genuinely, a roller coaster of a cinematic experience. Came out the year I was born, 1984. Uh, so I did that. Um, I also, this is, I don't know if anyone else is going to get this reference, but last weekend I bought this Saturday Star. My, my parents used to always get that when I was growing up. And I associate Saturdays with like, you know, the big comic spread in any way. So it's kind of nostalgic for me. So I picked up the Toronto Star because I, I enjoy um, I enjoy the crosswords that they have. They're a little easier than the Globe Mail. So Globe Mail's I like get like three. I'm like, wow, I'm basically in Mensa. And the Toronto Star crosswords, I get like, you know, three quarters of it. And I'm like, well, you know, you have a university degree. But um, I opened it up and what fell out of the middle, but friggin' Star Week. And what Star Week was, I'm like, I can't believe they still make this. Star Week was a, basically a mini TV guide. Not mini, I mean, it looked like, it was like, it's like a magazine made out of newsprint. And it's a TV guide for everything that's going to be on television 
in like the local area for the upcoming week. And they have some articles that are, you know, kind of you know, bogus, like not really that great. And I remember reading that as a kid and I would, I would like circle, I would circle what are the movies that are playing on Friday and Saturday nights because I didn't have a lot of friends. And I just, it brought back such memories and it would have like little descriptions and it would even have sections like movies on this week. And I would like circle them and which one do I want to watch? And it was just, it just threw me back to a time of pre-Netflix of 12 year old Natalie on a Friday night, watching the Superstation, watching dinner and a movie where they would make some kind of food that was associated with the the theme of the movie and just loving my life. And with a bag of Ruffles chips and a can, not a can, definitely a bottle of Pepsi. And that is actually, when I look back at it, sad for a couple of reasons that that's how I was spending a lot of my Friday nights. But I mean, I've moved on. And when I stay in now, it's not because I feel as if I lack social opportunities. But anyways, the Star Week, that was a that was a nice little throwback. I really appreciated that. Thank you, Toronto Star, for the nostalgia that you gifted me with this with rather this week. And moving into the topic for today, the this I don't, I don't have a lot of I don't have a lot of research on this one. I I kind of did some informal research on this and which will make more sense. But the topic for this week is inappropriate use of work relationships. So let me paint you a little picture here. Um, I was contacted by someone who is relatively high up at a neighboring institution to take them on a tour of a um, recently completed um, project that I did at work. So I took him and his two colleagues on a you know, tour of this space and afterwards, like one, it, it you know came out in conversation while I was doing the tour, that one of the gentlemen on the tour had the same degree as I did. We both went to uh, we both went to the same um, place to get our master's degree. And then after the interaction was over, he um, emailed me and asked me if uh, we could get together to discuss my career trajectory. And this person is in a fairly like high position, like his title is like fairly um, senior to mine. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. I wonder if he's wanting to make a switch or, you know, how flattering that someone wants to have an informational interview with me. Like how many of these have I done in my life where I'm kind of the one asking and this, I, I felt flattered and I felt like, you know, and I wonder if he's like, you know, trying to headhunt me or something like, wow, like I felt pretty pretty Mensa level smart to use a reference that I used earlier. I felt Mensa level smart. I felt Beyonce levels of confidence. And, um, I was, I was feeling really good, like about myself as a professional woman. So we set the date to have coffee. It became clear within the first, uh, I'm going to say 30 seconds that this was not a professionally based meeting. He, first of all, he hugged me when I first got there, which I found incredibly odd. I'd met this person once in my life for all of 10 minutes. Well, I shouldn't say, well, like half an hour and, um, proceeded to ask me absolutely nothing about my career and like started talking about, you know, his relationship status and asking me about, you know, basically like to put it in a kind of facetious way, basically asking me about my hopes and dreams. And I just started to really clearly talk about my boyfriend, my partner, my boyfriend and I, my partner, we, 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 and you know, we ended it and, um, he definitely 
like I went to shake his hand and he shook it and then pulled me in. Like to me, if someone sticks out their hand, that's like a, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to engage more than this. And he took the hand and pulled me in. Inappropriate. So I started to wonder, I'm like, is this like, it really pissed me off. It really pissed me off. Cause I was like, you totally use the guise of this being a work-related request and you knew what you're doing that's why you asked me to talk about my career trajectory and you knew what you were doing and um, this isn't self-aggrandization like trust me I I can very much tell that that is what this person was after it it wasn't like I know I know that I'm certainly in many contexts with men where that is not what's happening. I, I want to be quite clear that it's, it was very, very, very obvious that that's what this person was after. I don't think it's a matter of like ego and arrogance, but, um, which is probably problematic that I even just said that. But anyways, I started to ask around like other women, like, have you ever had this experience? And I was shocked at some of the stories that I heard of, you know, being asked out to like, you know, have quote unquote, mentoring sessions that turned, you know, oh, let's step out of this coffee shop and go out for dinner. And then it being quite clear what the situation was. And then when that individual called them out on it, they denied it and said, oh, I have dinner with attractive women all the time for their career mentorship. And I don't know why you're being so sensitive. And someone else actually said that a client basically that she worked with not basically did like harassed her like like showed up repeatedly at her workplace like found a picture of her on the internet and was saying like oh you look really pretty in this picture and wanted access to her and I just it just really made me think about you know I don't want to comment you know someone sent me an article um and it's an excellent article it's on the cut and the article is uh, by Rebecca Traister, T-R-A-I-S-T-E-R. And the article is titled, This Moment Isn't Bracket Just and Bracket About Sex. It's Really About Work. And she's talking about the importance of, in the light of all the conversation that's happening um, around sexual harassment and uh, the allegations against you know men in positions of power, she said it's really important to not just send this up to, you know, the basically the, like the sexual nature of it, that it really, really is. This is about, this is about work. This is about an abuse of basically like, like one woman in the article kind of summed it up by saying, I was looking for career opportunities and professional advancement. He was she said, I, this is it. She was, I was hunting for professional opportunities and career advancement. He was hunting for me. And that's in an instance of like quite, uh, quite egregious sexual, um, harassment and assault. And I think that mostly I would say the article, I want to be very clear. I am not comparing myself to the, to the women in this article. Like I did not by any stretch of the imagination go through like traumatic experiences of sexual harassment and never have, um, which I'm very grateful to say. It rose this interesting point though, like that there is, there can be a tendency for some men, I'm going to say in certain positions, and I want to say the minority, to that the abuse of the career and professional desires and aspirations of women are being 
used against them. And um, it just, it, I don't know, that article just kind of, um, like I said, it's, it's much, it's, it's uh, much, um, how can I put it? It's much, I think it's a much more deeper intellectual dive than is needed in my particular circumstance. Um, but it did raise that, that point about, you know, that this minority of men in this article, and to be honest with you, in my experience, I found, which is, it was kind of an, it was kind of an abuse of this professional context. And then I, you know, heard that this experience was echoed by other women. So it was, it was just really interesting to me. So I would, I would really love to hear, um, anyone's input on that. Like, has that ever happened to you? What are your thoughts? Am I totally off base? Uh, Should I totally check myself? And, say that, you know, just let it roll off your back or whatever, but I would, I would really be interested. So get at me at, um, all my mixed feelings at gmail.com. I would absolutely love to hear from you. And you know what? Let's, let's lighten the load here a little bit. Let's lighten it up here. And I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I mean, definitely, I have a great listener question. Shout out Alana. Um, I have a great listener question, but I'm going to first tell a funny anecdote. And that funny anecdote is, we have an underground parking garage here at our apartment and it is, it's tight as a drum. I mean, it is, um, it is a true fact that I, I cried hard the first time that I had to park in our underground parking lot because I'm like, I'm going to smash the car up. Like I'm going to rake the side of this vehicle against the edges of this pole. I didn't, but it took me a solid 15 minutes. I have since gotten better, but it is a very tight lot. And in particular, there is a car, there's a space rather in the spot that is behind ours that if a car is parked there, you're screwed. Like it's, it's next to impossible to get out. So one time I really, really had to get out and there was a car that was there and I'm like, you know what? F it. I'm doing it. And I was convinced that like, I, I like backed into this car because I felt a kind of like little bump and I immediately hit the brakes and then I got out and this car had like marks on the front bumper and I'm like oh my god this is this is not what I need in my life right now and so I didn't I wanted to leave the person a note and I didn't have any like any paper in the car but it had a bunch of cds so I was like all right well I'm just gonna take apart one of these cds and scribble on the scribble a note on the back and say to this person, listen, I'm really sorry. I'm happy to pay for the damages. Like I, my, you know, like my sincere apologies, blah, blah, blah. And I scribbled down my phone number and I, you know, the person texted me. They're like, Hey, is this, you know, the person who owns the car? And then I said, yeah, I'm really, really sorry. And he said, listen, um, I don't know what you're talking about because those marks were already on the car. So obviously like just assume that they were from my car, but they weren't. And, um, so we, you know, we cleared it all up. I said, oh, well, thanks so much. His last message to me was, do you want your Celine Dion track listing back? I mean, you think I could have picked a better CD, right? Like, you know, Arcade Fire, Mos Def, Jay-Z, 444, like basically anyone but Celine Dion's greatest hits. I mean, they are great. And I just wrote back, no, that's fine. You can throw it out. I mean, I kind of wanted it back, but I didn't want to know what I'm going to do. Meet me in the lobby in 10 minutes and give me my Celine Dion track listing back. Give me a break. So that's the funny anecdote. Um, 
And our listener question today, again, thank you, Alana. Our listener question today is, it's a few, it's a few things. I'm actually going to save one for next week. This I'm going to save the second half for next week. Um, oh, this is it. So she says, follow-up question related to your Manny Petty story. For my Manny Petty story, you can listen to episode 17. Your budget system sounds detailed and effective. How did you create the system? I'm wondering if you read any of Suze Orman or Gail Vlad Oxley's books on ladies and finance. Side question, what do you think about those ladies, their budget help guide and TV shows? I want to be more on top of my finances and would love to learn about your tactics. Damn it. Thank you, dollars and cents. I definitely said Atlanta, but thank you, dollars and cents for writing in. Um... I came up with my budget system. Um, I tracked my finances um, to like a beautiful mind level for well over, well over two years. Um, it, it, I wouldn't, I, I don't, I wouldn't recommend doing it for that long. I became obsessive. I mean, to the point where like I entered my finances every single day into a gigantic spreadsheet that I had broken down into like various categories. So how much did I spend today on food, groceries, sell books, like other miscellaneous charity, like every single day. And then I would look over the month, like in what categories did I spend how much and like, what are the trends that I'm seeing here? I think that if you want to make a budget, I recommend doing something like that for like maximum, maybe maximum three months, like track where, like, where's your money going? A lot of people said that they are not a lot of people. I, there's this, um, I think it's mint. You can use something like mint where it actually kind of does it for you. But I tried to use mint and I found it really like it wasn't categorizing my expenses, right? It would be like TD Malosh Monex might be biking it's like no that's our house insurance so I found mint to be a little bit more work than it was worth so I just made my own spreadsheet and like made my own categories and then tracked my spending every every day um it was a little intense I got I think I got way too obsessed with like you know finding a loony on the sidewalk like way more so than I should have been like oh my god I can add this to my income column it's like what what, it's a dollar it's a dollar so I would say though that it did help me see where my money was going. And then what I did based on that was I did make, I made a budget for myself. So this is how much I'm spending a month on groceries. It's about 130 bucks a week. Um, this is how much I spend on my cell every month. This is how much I spend on like our shared account, which is like where our rent internet, um, bills come out of. Um, so that's for me, like I didn't have to, you know, divide that all out and, um, because like that's from our shared account, but basically what I have now is I have an amount that I allocate every month for, uh, like I said, food, um, food, health and beauty, cell phone. Um, gosh, what are the other categories? I can't remember the other categories. But, um, and then I give myself 160 bucks a week of spending money. So when I said last week that I was going to give myself a pedicure that didn't come out of the budget, what I meant by that was, I'm going to give myself a pedicure that I don't have to add into my monthly budget for health and beauty. Like this is just a freebie, like you deserve this or whatever. And something that I also do is every week, whatever I don't spend of the 160, I put into a jar 
And um, I keep that jar uh, in an undisclosed location in my apartment. And my kind of rule with that one is that's I sp- that's fun stuff. Like I only buy fun stuff with that with that money. Um, oh, it's a significant amount now. Like I honestly think I might have. Is this weird to say this on a podcast? Whatever is my podcast. I have like over a thousand bucks in this little like jar in an undisclosed location in my apartment. And I'm like, well, now it's at the point where I'm like, well, am I allowed to spend this on something fun? Like, it's so much money now. Like, now I feel like, I ne- well, now it's gotten to the level where I have to be responsible. Like, maybe I need to be better about spending it once it gets to like 200. Like, blow it on jeans or something like that. But yeah, now it's at that point where I'm like, oh, I guess I should put this in my savings. But I don't want to. I'm like, no, that's my fun money. That's my jar of money to spend on fun shit. So I'll let you guys know if I actually manage to take the plunge because now I'm like, okay, well now I need to think of something super fun. Like, is it going to be a new bike or is there like this super balling ass purse that I want, you know? And I just can't seem to take the plunge. I can't seem to pull the trigger. But that is my budget system and that's how I came to it. And dollars and cents, if you would like a copy of my budget spreadsheet, I'm happy to email it to you. You can just let me know. I have never read Suze Orman or Gail Vlad Oxley, but I do like Gail Vlad Oxley's personality mostly because she, like, no fucks given. Like, she will tell you what it is and basically emasculate men right to their face and, you know, tell women that they're dumpster fires when it comes to their finances. And I appreciate that level of candor and honesty in anyone, you know? Go go big or go home. And I mean, I think there's something to be, I don't, I think Suze Orman is more guilty of this. It's just my opinion. Obviously it's my podcast. I think Suze Orman is more guilty of this than Gail, which is that Suze Orman, it's like more about like making you think you need complex financial systems um, and kind of peddling that because it increases her own wealth. Because I think to me, budgeting is pretty simple. Like, I don't think you need that much. Like I have zero background in finances or anything like that, but those little, yeah, those are my opinions. Um, and dollars and cents, let me know if you want that uh, spreadsheet. I'd be happy to share it with you. So that is this week's episode. I have to say, I'm feeling I'm feeling kind of a way about this episode. I am keep circling back to, I hope this wasn't too heavy for folks about the, uh, you know, juxtaposition of, uh, you know, you know, utilizing power dynamics to maybe explore romantic opportunities on behalf of a small minority of men in the workplace and um also starting off again i hope it didn't seem um out of turn to juxtapose the um horror of the toronto van attack with um the profundity i felt of of beyonce's coachella performance i just uh you know i think i think we also have to remember there's um there's always there's always good things going on too um, without taking away from obviously the, the horror, um, of that, of that event. So anyways, uh, oh my gosh, I'm, I can please email me and let me know that this podcast did not make you want to vomit or let me know if it did make you want to vomit. I'd be happy to hear from you at all my mixed feelings at gmail.com. And please know my heart was in the right place. Thanks so much for listening. Stay mixed up. Bye.